Ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment we've been talking about for months. The long-awaited winemaker episode on Why Not. Welcome to Why Not, a podcast by SA Winos for our wine club members, and we have a very special episode, uh, one that, as Francois pointed out in the intro, we've been talking about for quite some time. We have, yeah. We've been building this one up, and we're, we're very excited, you know, um, because we deal with single estates at SA Winos, we we build relationships with the winemakers as we distribute their wine, and it's really exciting to be able to bring... Um, some of that knowledge to the podcast, because I feel as though sometimes uh, we record these episodes and, you know, as with anything, it gets long in the tooth. You repeat some facts and uh, we don't we don't obviously know the detail that the winemakers do. And I thought you were going to bring up the fact that we record three of them at one time. And by the time we get to the third episode, <laughs> yeah, it, we're just it gets a little squirrely. Yeah, that does happen, too. Uh, but no, it, 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 it it's really nice to bring you know, fresh perspective and deep, deep knowledge uh, of a single estate to, to to the listeners. And it's something that we do intend to do more of. Um, Christopher Tillery from Noble Hill is our first guest uh, on this cast. And he was kind enough to join us uh, evening South Africa time, made some time on a Sunday. Um, so thank you so much for doing that, Christopher. We really enjoyed interviewing you. And honestly, the listeners, you will really enjoy listening to Christopher hit us with deep, deep knowledge, not only on Noble Hill wines, but also on South African wine growing, especially in the region that he's located. Correct. And he, he did, uh, <clears throat> shall we say, reinforce some of the, uh, I wouldn't call them arguments, but d- I was disagreements. Right. Brian was right. That we have had on this Brian cast. Was right. It wasn't even a disagreement. It was just reinforcing the fact that I described things correctly. Perfectly. Spoiler alert. Correct. Spoiler alert. Perfect. Yeah. It was, I mean, and reinforce some of the stuff that that i've been saying about south african wines you know mm. now you heard it straight from eh, the horse's mouth we'll so we we'll can't see. argue about that yeah. anymore. <laughs> um, so but yeah no thank you so much for joining us and it, it, we will be doing this episode as a as a one-parter so you'll be able to pull this up um as its own episode and own season mm-hmm. um and and he does talk about more than just the Sauvignon Blanc that we're drinking. He Correct. talks about several Noble Hill wines. So listen in, and I think you will find a good uh, wealth of information from Christopher. All right. Welcome, everybody, to our first winemaker interview on Why Not. So we are very happy to be joined today. Um, I know it's been long promised. I think, Brian, when did we start promising Christopher? Uh, it's maybe maybe May, April, May. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, but um, we finally did make it happen. Uh, I was able to come up to Dallas for uh, some fantasy football goodness and decided to stop by Brian's house uh, the Sunday afternoon. We got Christopher Tillery on from uh, Noble Hill. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. The uh, scheduling gods have smiled on us. It did. Yeah, yeah. We had a couple reschedules, COVID, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, thanks for joining us. So, um, Christopher, we had we have had your wines in the wine club a couple of times. Um, last month, we kind of because of the heat uh, in Texas, we focused on Sauvignon Blanc just as a single varietal, right? And we always find it interesting to taste varietals um, as as a group, right? Because um, I think if if you're tasting them in a wine club. Uh, and it's mixed with, say, you know, you got you have a Sauvignon Blanc, and then maybe you have a Pinot Noir and a Cab in that wine club. Um, it's difficult to remember, 
like what you tasted mm. in other sauves and and yours yours was paired up uh, there were two other wines i can't exactly remember um who uh we can pull that up here in just a second <laughs> <laughs> is that your subtle hint to tell me to look them up yeah okay yeah i got you um, but we we had two other wines and and i do recall yours being um you know it's it's one of the favorites in 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 uh in our uh, portfolio people really enjoy it oh that's fantastic thank you um along with most all of the other ones i don't think i've heard one bad thing about noble hill but yeah why don't why don't you tell us a little bit about noble hill what you guys do for winemaking and what makes you unique kind of the region that you're growing sure well i don't know if you picked up in the sauvignon blanc um, a mineral character but i find for my wines um you know growing in granite soil that mineral character is really the hallmark of, of all the wines. Um, and it's a, it's sort of a, a, a line of, of taste that runs through the whole, the whole portfolio of wines that I make, but yeah, no, Noble Hill, we're a, we're a small, um, organic grower here on the slopes of the Simonsberg, about 30 hectares of vineyard. Um, and, uh, we grow everything on site and I'm making wines in a pretty sort of, um, minimal intervention kind of natural style. Um, trying to focus on lightness and freshness and that and that minerality, um, and I've been at it for 15 years or so, and finally getting to the point where I feel like I um, have a grasp on what I'm doing. Some, yep. you know, decades later, um, <laughs> and 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 yeah, I think Noble Hill has um, has gone a long way over the years. You know, we if I go back to like the long arc of history, you go back to the the 90s and the 2000s, and it was very much kind of a more more extractive, riper style. Um, and that was kind of the style of the day with the Parker points and the uh, sort of new world, more new oak um, being in, in fashion. And over the last, say, five, seven years, I've kind of slowly eked us towards um, what I think is a little bit more of a modern style, which is um, maybe not modern in the sense of like modern new world, but but a, but a sort of a, a nouveau style, which is, um, that lightness and freshness. And it's just been slowly, slowly, slowly um, revising how we pick and how we how we work in the winery and just being a little bit more kind of delicate throughout. So I hope you see in the wines that that delicate character. Yeah, I think I think what what really especially the whites, right? I think the white wines, the brightness, the crispness of the flavor profiles that come through very noticeable. Um, it's, I mean, last month we had, we just looked it up. We had the Niels Joubert, um, Sauvignon Blanc, and we also had the Rhino Run from Van Leuven. And, you know, when you pair those up, they, they all are distinctly different, but they do have similar characteristics across being, I mean, obviously that they're Sauvignon Blanc. So, um, and Sauvignon Blanc, I think in South Africa, I mean, to, to kind of zoom out from Noble Hill, I think we have this really interesting, kind of balance between the more green herbaceous side and the the more tropical kind of guava citrus side. And I think, you know, we tend to, the, the best Sauvignon Blanc from South Africa tends to kind of move between those two worlds a little bit. So yeah. I, I, I try to aim for something that's neither too sort of fruit bomb kind of um, tropical nor too grassy acidic. You have to kind of hit a nice middle of the road there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that was one of the feedback points is when, when we tasted this was it's a really good balance between, you know, that kind of green bell pepper that a lot of Sauvignon Blancs tend to overblow 
um, and then <clears throat> you know toward towards the citrusy kind of guava type type character profile, which is is really nice. Yeah, and you mentioned minerality. Uh, can you kind of go into that a little bit more? Because that is something that I've noticed, not just in the the Sauvignon Blanc that we're drinking, but in some of the other Noble Hill wines that have come across as just uniquely different. Um, I, I was trying to explain it to my wife, who's also who joins us on our podcast. She she was trying to figure out what minerality, like how how to describe it. Could you help us yeah. out with that? Well, I've I've heard. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to try. I mean, it's it's a pretty um, it, it, it's a deep topic and it's, you know, it's something that people debate, I think in the wine world quite a bit for me, minerality is that, is that, um, like the, the taste of, of, of real mineral water, you know, like that sometimes you get water that's almost like turbid with, with like a white mm-hmm. mineral kind of almost chalkiness to it. Um, or like, if you sort of like, if you think about like a wet stone, um, you know, after, after a rainstorm, that kind of ar- aromatic coming through minerality is hard to pin down. I don't think that it's not like bell pepper, like you mentioned bell pepper for Sauvignon Blanc and those aromas have been kind of sort of chemistry has said, well, this particular flavor compound is very much associated with a bell pepper aroma. Minerality is a little bit of a broader concept. And I, I mean, I think you'll even get um people who will say minerality doesn't exist oh yeah it's sort of uh you know it's 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 uh something that that has is sort of a thing in your mind and i i don't know i mean i'm kind of um i i i feel that granite soil which is our uh predominant soil type here at noble hill does tend to give mineral character wines um and it's hard to it's hard to nail down to an exact equation and say okay well this is what causes that but i'll just say that you know if you look at the soils um the major viticultural soil types of the world you know you've got granite you've got schist uh, you've got limestone and they all have kind of interesting and, and unique characters but i definitely think that mineral for me is the character that i most closely associate with with granite and even on the farm where we have rockier soil and sandier soil the the rockier bits will tend to give more of that sort of steely, um, uh, linear, racy mineral flavor. And the wines that are growing in the sandier soil will tend to give you a little bit less structure, but a little bit more kind of effusive aromatics. And so we, in some of the blends, like the Estate Reserve blend, we blend um, blocks that are grown in the rockier soil and blocks that are grown in the sandier soil to try to get a little bit of the both uh, of those. Um, but the, but the soil here is kind of, it's all different layers of decomposed granite. You know, you, yeah. you may know that South Africa has really ancient soil from a, uh, from a geologic perspective. And so the soil is, is, well, if you look at the Siemensberg, I'm sure you can pull up an image of the Siemensberg at home, but it's a huge granite rock and it's been decomposed with erosion over millions of years. And that kind of goes from big granite rocks down to, uh, down to kind of gravel and then sand and then eventually clay. And so that that weathering of the stone in in layers um, really kind of defines our 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 subsurface ecosystem. I that is fantastic information. That's like that's exactly when we talk about like we try to bring that tap room experience or the tasting room experience to people in their homes. That is exactly what we're what we're talking about. That is fantastic. Um, I do want to point out. Um, for my wife, who will 
I will make listen to this. I was right. Um, I described the minerality of like uh, in in uh, the flavor of minerals in uh, any drinking liquid, like uh, uh, whether it be wine or beer, as like a chalky like it's a mineral water uh, flavor yeah. Yeah. That, that that it's hard to describe. But when you taste it, you're like, you know that's exactly, exactly what that is. Exactly. Uh, so thank you for that answer, and um, I will be playing this back for repeat on her for her. So very <laughs> proud. Yeah, and you get some you get some some mineral waters that are that have tons of dissolved solids versus you get others that have that have less. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not an expert on 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 water, but I, I know that you know I, I having tasted different waters, you know, my, water at my house, water at the cellar, water all over. It um it all you know it each has its own kind of character, and I think if you get water with a lot of dissolved solids, that's probably more associated with that. Yeah, that mineral if, taste if here in the states, at least if you're listening and you're you want to kind of try this right there is a water out there on the shelf called crazy water Mm -hmm. and crazy water has uh, it's from i think three or four different springs um is where they source this stuff from but every bottle is a different color and it's i think it's a different alkalinity to it yeah um and you'll get you'll get this experience outside of wine. If you're trying to like figure out what we're talking about here, that's a good way to do it. Just go get a couple of those bottles, the different colors and, mm-hmm. and test them out. You'll get, you'll understand pretty quick what the minerality is that we're talking about. Yep. Uh, so with that being said, you did allude to blending and how you guys blend from various different uh, plots. So when you're doing blending, you do something unique that I've not seen um, we alluded to this on the previous cast, and I did say I would ask this question when we when we were interviewing you. So your your single varietals, a lot of the times, not always, but a lot of the times, um, you add a small percentage, and I'm I'm guessing it probably varies year over year, but this is a small percentage of what looks to be the most common is your Grenache, uh, Noir, and Viognier. Um, seem to yeah. be your kind of balancing ones. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that methodology and what you're trying to achieve with, with that blending process? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think from a, from a kind of starting point, I, um, I, I've always been maybe a little bit more, uh, drawn to blends than to single variety wines. And I think it kind of relates to the, the kind of whole old world, new world divide where we live here in South Africa, we have, um, you know, the ability to kind of touch into these old world styles and, um, so we don't want to always be put into a new world box. A new world is very organized by grape. And that's like helpful for consumers because a Cabernet Sauvignon tastes like a Cabernet Sauvignon, but it also kind of eliminates or it simplifies a lot of the complexity down to each wine is sort of one thing. And um, I'm kind of trying to buck that trend and in, in, in trying to create depth and layers in the wine. And I find that um, giving a little bit of a blend uh, helps with that enormously. So I have a couple wines, the Estate Reserve and the Field Atlas, yep. uh, and the Estate Reserve White. Uh, those wines are explicitly, you know, blends, yep. and they're they're made up of four or five different grapes each. And then on the single variety wines, here in South Africa, the legislation is that a hundred percent of the vines have to be from the origin that's yep. indicated on the label. Um, but 85% uh, of the wine has to be of the vintage indicated and 85% has to be of the variety indicated. So if it says, for example, uh, Chenin Blanc on the label, it could include, you know, 10 or even 15% of a different grape. 
And I don't, I don't really try to chuck stuff in to be tricky with it, but I, I do sometimes add a little bit of a complementary grape just to give some, some complexity and depth to the wine. And I think um, Viognier is, is one that I use in a couple different wines. And the purpose there is, is primarily aromatic because Viognier, if you've ever had varietal Viognier, you know that it's, it's, it's a deeply aromatic wine and it has a totally unique aroma, like a peach, apricot, stone fruit, floral character, very strong, very like in your face. Yep. And, um, I include that in just a small percentage, you know, maybe sometimes one or 2%. Sometimes I just include the, the skins of the press, um, from the Viognier in another blend. And that contact with the Viognier just gives the wine uh, kind of an aromatic lift and, and a lightness and, and a freshness. And I even do it in the reds, like Field Atlas yep. Red has a has a has a hint of Viognier in there, and it just gives it that that little kind of um, a lift yeah. aromatically. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that I, th- I think I've mentioned this previously on 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 one of the episodes. Is um, I've normally seen Viognier, obviously in white blends, you see it, but in the one two percent i've only really ever seen that happen in red blends right as as like yeah, a, yeah, a way yeah. to balance some of that some of the deeper reds i've never seen it used like this and it's very interesting when you taste you know the exp- the ones that it, you, you know you state one to two percent um it makes a very large difference it does add complexity it, it adds depth but it also um I don't know, it makes it really interesting. Like when you're tasting a, a flight of Sauvignon Blancs, it stands out. It stands out as being unique. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. I, I, the, the, you're, yeah. I, obviously I'm, I am not uh, the wine expert as much as, uh, as, as Francois is. Uh, but when it comes to like you talking about the, the nuances of that small addition, like what it can do to lift the aromatics of a wine, makes total sense. I mean, because you look at what you do and whether it be cooking or, um, any other sort of like, uh, multi-part recipe building in, in, uh, cooking or in brewing, yeah. those little things along the way will add up at the end process or yeah, at the end of the process. And it's really interesting. I would never have thought that, especially, you know, in the American style of this is a Cabernet cause it's got all the Cabernet in it. And this is what the Cabernet is. And this is how Cabernet tastes. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, but your yeah. approach is really well, refreshing. And like Francois said, it stands out whenever you taste it. Very interesting when you taste it. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I've been trying to add like complexity and layering into the wines. And I think in the field Atlas, for example, uh, the red blend, the, the, the way that I've um, tried to approach layering is through co-fermentation. So mm. there, instead of blending the different components already fermented, I actually pick together different vineyard blocks and then ferment them together. So those wines are going into the same tank together um, and, and creating almost like a layer cake in the tank with whole, whole bunches, uh, whole, uh, you know, not destemmed at the bottom and then um, crushed grapes on top of that, and then more whole bunches on top of it. And it creates a fermentation that has, you know, a lot of different things going on in it. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of the challenge there is that once you make it, you can't pull it apart. So yeah. it's it's made, you know. Um, but it, it exactly, I think the, the analogy that you made of cooking is exactly right. I mean, when you cook, if you want to make delicious food, you have to add layering um, to get depth of flavor. And the same thing in, the same thing in wine, I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the style of, like you say, where each grape kind of has its own 
uh, grapey character and we and we sell the wines that way. I'd rather sell the origin. I'd rather have people experience yeah. the mm-hmm. Siemensberg and experience South Africa and and say what this site and terroir is about than what this grape is about. Yeah, I think and, and it, it, it shows. I mean, when you when you taste, I, I think we've got pretty much your whole portfolio. Um, and when you have uh, when we launched the portfolio, we had, you know, um, at one of our wine parties, just had people taste whatever, you know, we could open. And from, you know, the sparkling champagne all the way through to Field Atlas and the deeper reds that you sell there's always something interesting when you taste it and and unique which is really i mean it's it's obviously speaks to a very good winemaker and yeah. <laughs> um also speaks to the region cuz Siemensberg, um it's i i want to say i noble hill is the only one we have from Siemensberg, but i also don't think the terroir and the other vineyards are as granite soil based i think most of them have a lot of limestone sandstone that they're growing in um, and then obviously, yeah, we're definitely very granitic here, very yeah. rocky. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we we do have a couple from the new region, the Cape Agullis, that they they deal with like fifteen different soil types down there. It's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it, it and, and and they have and they have a lot of salinity in the soil. They do. There, I think. So I, I, I don't know a ton about Agullis, but it, yeah, it's it's quite salty down there. It is, and and if you remember when we had first sighting mm. uh, in in the portfolio, they they have um, all of their wines from a minerality perspective and a little salty, right? Yeah. Yours ends yeah, yeah. with what we were describing. And it's, it's just, it's fascinating when you go across the regions because South Africa has such a strict winemaking standard, you can yeah. present that to people. And it's not just, you know, a grape in a bottle that, you know, was farmed essentially. <laughs> grape in a bottle. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, for me, in in USA in particular, I mean, we have such a ways to go with South African wine is that we're still a small, you know, a small importer into the United States. Um, And I think a lot of people, your side, maybe don't know a lot about South African wine, and hopefully want to know more. Um, But I think the the greatest entry point is the diversity of styles and the regionality, because uh, a lot of people say, oh, it's a South African wine. It must be taste like X. And, and it's, it's so much more complex than that in a good way. Mm-hmm. It, it gives people an opportunity to taste wine from a Gullis, like you say, or wine from Swartland or wine from Darling or Durbanville or Simonsberg and, and to see what the differences are in the different regions and also which grapes do well in different regions and, that that um, that regionality, I think, is I hope what's going to kick South Africa kind of into the next gear in the United States is once people start to understand that they want to maybe have you know uh, uh, a Sauvignon Blanc from Darling and uh, Cabernet from Simonsberg yeah. or you know whatever that that they start to um, put more wines on the list and they start to have more wines in their cellar and we start to be on the tip of people's tongues. Exactly. We hope. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's happening. I mean, it, we're, we're, um, this month in August, uh, we're going to be doing a Syrah flight and your field Atlas is going to be in there. Um, even though it has a little, well, it's a little bit of a blend, right? But, um, yeah. tell us a little bit about that wine specifically so we can, you know, we can 
Are you I thinking can pretend like I, I can pretend like I knew. This is yeah. our research. Correct. For, yeah. yeah, no, that's good. Correct. That's great Correct. work. Great work. Yeah, we're going to double time yeah. it. So <laughs> if you want to tell us a little bit about that, and then also, you know, as a final question, after you tell us about the Syrah, I guess in the next five years, where do you see Noble Hill? And what are you guys trying to do? Yeah. And what should we be looking for and, and looking forward to? Yeah, well, I'll um, I'll maybe start with the with the second question sure. and, and end on the field atlas. But I think one of the most exciting things for me in the past couple of years that's a project that's been, a, you know, a lot of a lot of change and a lot of work, um, but is sort of starting to finally pay dividends is our conversion to certified organic mm-hmm. viticulture. So since 2019, we've been farming purely organically. We farmed, you know. Um, very environmentally sustainably prior to that, but we started getting our certifications in 19. And the organic certification process is such that for three years, you need to produce organic grapes um, before you can put on the label that the wine was grown organically. Okay. And so the next vintage will be our first certified organic harvest. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that in terms of stewardship of the land, it's a really important thing. Like yep. Noble Hill is an estate. So that means that we grow everything on the farm. We don't buy grapes from different sites. And so it puts a ton of responsibility on me to make sure that the soil is healthy, that the land is healthy, that the animals and birds um, and the ecosystem here is, is going in a positive direction. Yep. And so I feel like we're, I mean, I, I, it's it's quite rare in South Africa. I don't know. I mean, if you guys are are aware, but there's maybe only fifteen or so organic growers in the country. So yeah. there's not so many of us. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's. I mean, it's an expensive process to go through. It is not. It is a commitment. Like you said, it's three years, um, and I mean, you, you the clock ticks on that process. It's not. It's not something yeah. you just do overnight, and it costs a lot of money to do it. So it. It's very commendable. I know yeah. we right now we've had, we have Rhino Run, which they they have uh, that certified organic, um, and then y- you. That's that's what we've got yeah. in the portfolio um, from the certified organic growers, and I mean people love it. People really do like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's just a bit of, of a feel good thing. I mean, no herbicides, no pesticides, no artificial chemicals. What's not to love about that? Exactly. Those are, those are things that when you have a beverage, you're like, no, I don't want pesticides. I don't want herbicides. <laughs> I don't want artificial chemicals. So yeah, and I, it, the, um, one thing that you did mention that I just want to, you know, I've I've repeated this so many times, and I think sometimes people think it, it's you know it doesn't really matter. The the fat so we as an as a, a a retailer and importporter and distributor, we only do single estate vineyards. Um, okay. We we find it very important to not do regional blending to not you know because you don't get the unique qualities that we just spoke about on this cast for twenty minutes now right like you lose that regionality and that specific you know touch that you can you know add the one percent of Viognier and then tell us yeah that's you know. What we do here at, at Noble Hill, that 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 yeah. is very important to us as 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 um, you know wine club stewards, but also um, I think that's where South African wine shines, right? I, I don't think it shines at the Napa Valley level, right? It's like, yeah, this is interesting. It's just a red blend from Napa, right? And I think if if you go down to the estate level, it gets very interesting and very fun very quickly. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about that for the next five years. It's it's kind of been a project of the last, you know, five years that will roll into the next five years. But um, 
the environmental sustainability and tree planting here on the farm has been a major undertaking and yep. replacing some vineyards and putting in new vineyards and just like creating some nice natural habitats around the farm. So do, do we have any, do we, keeps me excited. Do we have any new varietals coming? Are you going to focus on kind of what you've grown? Uh, so far? I, 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 you know, I, I grow enough different varieties that I, I fear that if I plant too many more, I'm going to start to, have <laughs> sort of a one of everything approach. I've got um, I've got a I've got a little bit more Grenache and a little bit more Cinso on the way. Okay. And the goal there is to bring in that that kind of leads nicely into Field Atlas because one of the things that I want to do in Field Atlas in the coming years is get a little bit more Grenache in the blend. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because Grenache is going to add that like light fruitfulness, and I think the Syrah here on the north slopes of the Siemensberg is you know notable for being um pretty uh dark fruit dark cherry um it's got an intensity to it and i think the grenache is going to be a nice kind of counterpoint to that and it's gonna um it's gonna blend with it nicely but yeah field atlas is is that is that blend syrah mauverde grenache noir and a little bit of viognier and it's co-fermented as i mentioned and it's got a little bit of a carbonic component and I try to keep it very light and approachable. I think of the Noble Hill Reds, it's intended to be the one that you can pick up on its own without food, you know, just after work and enjoy it straight away. And also one that you can even chill just a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it doesn't have a huge tannin structure like our cab and the state reserve and some of those wines. You probably want to serve closer to, you know, 16, 18. But the field atlas, you can take it down, maybe not to fridge temperature, but maybe like 12, 14 degrees. Yep. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but a little, you know, yeah. Let's a call it bit, in the 60s. A little chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And, get, and get that down. Um, and and that that's kind of the, the approach for field atlas is to make something that reflects the terroir of Noble Hill broadly without being referential to like a single specific grape. Very nice. Very nice. Well, I mean, I... I'm a big fan of your blends. You, your estate white changed my like you know preconceived notions of what a white blend could be. Uh, and you talked oh, about you. lists um, that that estate white has made the list of my wife and I's like pickups anytime we go down to Austin yeah. to the to the warehouse. So uh, thank you for uh, for all of that work because it is greatly appreciated in our house. Um, Francois, do you have any other questions? No, I th- Christopher, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, you know, spending 28 minutes now with us um, talking about your wines. It, it's an honor to, you know, pour them for people. People really enjoy them. Um, and hopefully, you know, if we refer them, refer them to this podcast, they'll learn a little bit mm-hmm. um, from the winemaker. Definitely. It's, it's, it's an honor to be, you know, represented in the U.S. with you guys and, and uh, an honor to get to chat to you. And I, I hope to see more of you. I hope to be able to get to that side and meet you in person. That soon. would be fantastic. Yeah, we can have a little Noble Hill uh, pomp and circumstance down at the warehouse. That'd be All fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Noble Hill chili cook-off. Yeah, that's right. Ooh, now that's we're talking. Right. Yeah. But now you better come with a recipe, right? We're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Texas chili. I mean, it, nope. a, a, are you adding beans to it? Because you might get murdered. If yeah, you, you got to tread lightly around here. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, as, as always, uh, listeners, thank you for listening in. And I'm sure you'll hear back from Francois and I on the outro here in just a second. Yep. But thank you again, Chris. It's a great pleasure.
See, wasn't that as good as we advertised at the beginning of the episode? Yeah, no, we didn't oversell it. Not one bit. Not at all. Um, I think the the part that was my favorite part was the first part, and then the last part, and the middle part. You know that we've already recorded this, all right? All the parts were great. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but if, if you enjoyed that, uh, please do, do look out for the next one. We will be having additional discussions, like I promised, with winemakers. I won't, I won't oversell them three months ahead of time. Uh, like I did this time, but uh, we will we will hopefully have them recorded, and then we can advertise them instead of saying, "Oh, we are going to." Uh, that's a that's a noble thought. What a concept! That what is a, a concept, great yeah. great idea. <laughs> should write that down. We should, yeah, probably imprint it on my eyeballs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, once again, thanks to Christopher for joining us. If if you enjoyed that content, uh, it drew you in, or you're not a wine club member yet, and you want to find out more about SA Winos. Uh, please do visit us at sawinos.com. You will find the Noble Hill range on there. You can order it if you're not local to Texas. If you are local to Texas, you can order it. If you don't want to drive, if you want to come down to Austin, come visit us at our warehouse in South Austin on Nutty Brown. Um, pick up some Noble Hill. We've got plenty, plenty of varietals that you will enjoy, uh, and you can you know, taste what Christopher has in the store. If you are part of the wine club this month, August, uh, we will be doing a Syrah flight. So, spoiler alert, you're going to be getting the Field Atlas in that. And we will be tasting that live uh, on the next season. So, Brian, any last parting words for this episode as it unique just, as, as it is? It just feels so good to be right about describing flavors and wines. I just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy. I'd like to thank my parents. <laughs> Um, no, uh, Francois, thank you for this awesome experience. Um, talking to the winemaker and, uh, yeah, now I look forward to the next, next winemaker special. Yeah, that should be a good one. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We will see you on the next season of wine, not. <laughs>